Hey, you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, and my name is Alex, and for the first time, I'm coming at you from the perch. Everything looks pretty good up here. I got an amazing view in my new studio. I also, as you can probably hear, have a brand new fan, actually not a brand new, like a microphone that I fished out of my shit when I moved, Um, but I've got like a crazy new recording station um, with complete with research tablet, which means... I get to sound smart about shit, but before we get to that, I wanted to thank everybody who listened to the last episode on Haikyuu. I had a lot of fun talking about that, sitting on the couch with my dog, because it was literally the day after we moved in, and now, now we have counters. <laughs> now we have counters in our kitchen, which is... More magical than it sounds, I promise, but it's really great. Um, so, with that said, let's get down to business and talk about Hell Thing. back when I was a lot younger, way back in 2001, when I was still in, um, when did I graduate? Uh, so I was probably in, like, I was probably still in grade school, not even in high school. So it was a very edgy show that came out, and it was called Hell Thing. And if you are an otaku of a certain age, you probably remember Hell Thing, and you, you probably remember it for the opening, which you probably heard in this, ep- in this episode and the ending, which I guarantee I will find for this episode. But you probably also know that in, say, 2000, um, uh, 2008-ish, 2008-ish, um, 2000, from 2006, 6 to 2012, the big six-year gap, a group of, the, basically the series was remade. And really what I want to talk about this episode is I want to talk about um, the original show versus the remake, the remake, which I sat through a lot of, that should already give you an idea, um, to do this episode. 
and what's kind of gained and lost in remaking something because we have seen um, a lot of remakes of movies, um, a not a ton of remakes of anime, but a decent amount, uh, and it's oftentimes seen as a cash grab, as a cash grab because there's a built-in fan base. You know, you want as an as an anime studio, if you want more money, <laughs> and you've got a group of established IP. You either remake it or you expand on it. Just because, you know, and this people wonder why there's not more new IP in the world. The reason is, is because you can get people, you can get butts in seats to see a Spider-Man movie before you can to see the 23rd Spider-Man movie more than you potentially can most in most people's minds. And this is being disproved a little bit than you can to get bust and seat to see, say, the first Doctor Strange movie. That, that just, it's just the way the world runs. It's unfortunately. We, we all crave that hit of nostalgia because it, it makes us feel comfortable. It makes us feel like we know what's going on. Hi, Ladybug. I have Ladybugs up here. They're not bad. They're just around. Um, <laughs> but, so... Here's, here's what I know about Helsing. I know that the first series, the first, I think, 12-episode series of Helsing was kind of iconic in its use of, like, catchy pop tunes and smooth jazz in its, um, smooth jazz in its opening and catchy pop tunes in its, um, ending. And also had like this dark evil feel and had this very off kilter like chibi style that it felt like it didn't know what to do with. Um, but I I personally like that first series more than I like the second series. And I'll get into that as I talk about the second as I talk about the second series mostly. But, it, needless to say, it's it's kind of a fun horror, it's a fun horror series, it's a fun kind of light horror series that's light on the horror and more heavier on the action. And really it uses the trope of vampires and vampires existing in the real world to kind of tell a fancy super action uh super like vampire hunter action story and that's all f that's fine mostly but the thing that jumps out at you is because of the way that they chose to make that first series it has this style to it, it has this kind of swagger to it like you imagine Alucard sitting in his basement throne, listening to smooth jazz. I think they might even show that at one point. And they... The big difference, I would say, from the... original series they did in, like, the early 2000s to the Helsing Ultimate series they did from 2006 to 2012 is two things. The first thing is that 
the tone of the first series is... It's... Don't get me wrong. It's super edgelordy. Like, it's Hell Thing. If you know anything about Hell Thing, you know you're gonna, like... The edge is gonna be pretty sharp. But the edge changes in the new series. Like, the edge in Hell Thing is like, oh, that's sharp. But, like, I can safely run my palm along it and it won't get cut. <laughs> the edge in the Hell Thing, the ultimate series is, better watch out for all these edge. We're gonna cut you up real good, son. And what that... Would that take that... Would that take the whole concept from... It takes it from, and this is going to sound super weird, it takes it from a, like, unbelievable quality to a boring quality, if that makes any sense. So, and that has to, that has to do with the way they treat violence in the, in the 2006 to 2012 show. And what I mean by that is, um... So, Matthew Weiner, and I promise I have a point. I'm not just talking about Mad Men to, like, dive into bullshit. I promise. Matthew Weiner, when he made Mad Men, shopped it. And if you don't know what Mad Men is because you're an otaku and you haven't watched it, and that's an old-ass show, and it's a very, like, adult show that the first episode is, like, he takes a nap on the couch. (laughs) But... Mad Men is basically, it's about the late 50s, it's about the mid mid to late 60s, early, very early 70s advertising world. It's about when, like, advertising became, like, the hot shot ticket that it now is. When it's, like, the nascent stages of it and the really big players in that space. Um, and you follow... You follow Don Draper, who's a who's the main character of the show, and they have all these side characters. But when Matthew Weiner, the creator of that show, was shopping it around different places, he originally started with HBO. And the reason he started with HBO is because even then, HBO was the like place that would say yes to this kind of show, a place, a show that has a lot of like odd moral ambiguity. And, like, quite a show with a lot of questionable morals, basically. And HBO said no. So he took it all over the place, and he ended up taking it to AMC. And that show ended up starting AMC's, like, golden age of television, so to speak. Because they got that show, and then they also said yes to Breaking Bad, and that, and there goes the neighborhood sort of thing. But what he ended up saying about being on AMC was really interesting because the joke on HBO now, even now and then was, you want to go, go to a place to see blood and sex like all in the same program? You go to HBO. Um, but that's because HBO isn't cable television. It's a subscriber channel, and that is proven out by HBO now and go. Um, but on AMC, he was restricted. Not in that he couldn't, like, have the content he wanted, but that he couldn't show all the different things. And primarily, he couldn't show sex. And what he 
said about that was he said, whenever you see a sex scene, if it's a good sex scene, the, the sex itself doesn't matter, the result of it matters. Like, the, the consequences of someone sleeping with someone mattered. Them, the actual sleeping with doesn't, especially in um, Mad Men. And with that restraint, he was able to create something that was, yes, cool and sexy, but the sex was treated differently because it was less conversation about, ooh, that was sexy, and more conversation about who has the power in whatever situation the sex happened in. And so... The whole thing there is that sometimes constraints help something be better. And I think that Helsing needed the constraints because while the later version of Helsing is technically, is technically, and is technically on a, tech, a pure technical level, a better adaptation of the story a more creative, like, feat, a better-looking show, period. It's not... It doesn't have the same style that it had when it couldn't... when you couldn't see, like, someone's head get chopped clean off. And you couldn't see, you know, Alucard just eat somebody whole in his, like, weird black dog, multiple eyes form. When... One of the things that you often forget about, tell about anime, because in America we get it as, like, streamable or as DVDs or as, in the olden days, VHS, is that most of what ha is created is created for TV. So they have serious constraints on what they can and can't do in a TV show. That is why, you know, people were so stunned at interspecies reviewers, because everybody assumed that, like, oh, this is this is an ashy anime, it's fine. And then it went full hentai in the third episode. So much so, and continues to be so, I will assure you. Um so much so that it, it stunned people because they were going off of the first couple chapters of the manga and maybe a episode. And then they get to the third episode and they're like, what did, what did we license? Oh, fuck. Helsing is a different... Helsing is a totally different thing. They, when, Hels, when Helsing Ultimate was licensed here, they knew exactly what they were doing. And it's... It's like a show that was at one point for me and isn't anymore. I, I, didn't, I have no problem with that. It, not everything has to be for me. It's just... This show, Helsing Ultimate, is way less about the... It's way less about the... If at least it feels way less about the overarching story and more 
shove the edge in your face, shove the action scenes in your face, look how dark and edgy this is. Whereas, while it was certainly cut, sh while the story of the show is certainly cut short, the first series feels like it has way more of an interest because it necessarily has to because it can't do all that cool, gory, edgy, action show shit. Like, it, for example, it cannot say, have Alucard kill people and then throw them out of multiple windows where they land on flagpoles and make a, like, procession entrance for him to come out of the building with. And you see all of that happen. Like, you can't, you can't, especially in, J in Japan, you can't show the blood, you can't show the, the violence has to be obscured. Um, a great example of this is the anime adaptation of Dead Man's Wonderland was butchered because they use blood magic in that show. Like, the, the, the gimmick of that show is all the prisoners in Dead Man's Wonderland, because it's a, like, a prison theme park thing, have blood magic and when they use the blood magic in that in the show version you don't know what the fuck's going on because they like black gradient all of it so you're just like what what is happening what the fuck um oftentimes in anime blood is either dark blue or dark purple because they can't show you the actual blood. Um, they can show you the extent, actually. That's not true. Because you see, like, head wounds and stuff in Dragon Ball Z. But, like, they can't, like, show you someone completely, like, bleh. Um, And that's a lot of what Helsing Ultimate does. And the reason it does that is because the direct-to-video release. It was made for and released on Blu-ray's only. I don't think it was ever officially broadcast, or if it was, it was probably butchered. Um, and that, because of that, because it didn't have those restraints, it runs into a lot of, like, weird problems that could have been fixed with an editor who had to adhere to a TV rating system. So there's, like, Weird, lurid sexualizations of female characters. There's, you know, uh, there's, I don't think there's any nudity, actually. I don't actually think there's any nudity. But there's, like... There's a lot of violence, like a, like more more violence than is necessary to tell the story they're telling because they want to, because the thing you have to know about Helsing is that the only people who are good guys are humans and they're not even really morally good guys. You have um, Sir Integra Wingate's Helsing, um, who is presented as a woman, but clearly, unless it suits her interest, wishes to be identified as a man, and not for any, and seemingly not for any, like, sexual reason, but only for the reason of that gives her, that gives her more, that gives him or her more power, 
Um, you have Walter, a.k.a. Old Norman, a.k.a. Alfred the War Criminal. <laughs> um, and I mean, and Walter, Walter has always kind of been my favorite kind of character in these kinds of shows. He's the kind of character that, like, the second you look at him, you're like, oh, yeah. He's gonna fuck some people up at this at some point, and I am super here for that. And he totally does. I think it takes until episode three for him to be like, "Okay, it's piano, it's piano wire time. Let's fucking dice some fools up." Um, and if I will say, I like that he gets more opportunities to do that in the new in the um newer OVAs. And then there's um. So this is this is the other huge difference between the two shows. Um, Sarah's Victoria, I think her name is, is supposed to be kind of the audience, the point of view character, and she very much is the point of view character for most of the show in the first se- in the first um in the first series, but in Helsing Ultimate, she's just the int- she's just the plot device that introduced the whole universe through, and then she becomes this kind of like just another of the cast of characters, and you as a viewer are really left with no point of view character, maybe, maybe with the exception of Alucard. And not even really him, and we'll get to why in a minute. But what makes Sarah so interesting in the first sh- in the first show is that as soon as she becomes a vampire, you kind of stick with her all the way through the show, and you see her you see her like struggle with being a vampire more. You see her, um like, at points accepting it, and at points, like, trying to retain her humanity, human food, even though it's disgusting. You see her finally, like, kind of give up on some level and just be like, okay, give me medical blood. Like, that, that is donated. I don't need to think about, like, how you got it, because it is, it's got medical on the packaging, and I can drink it like lychee juice. It'll be fun. Um, but in this in Ultimate, you get all that, but it's all it's all in service of treating her like she's an idiot, basically. Like, she's helpless to the fact that she's a vampire now and no longer a human. And, like, she has to change. If she doesn't change, she'll continue being a moron. And that... It takes away some of the charm of her as a character and some of the, like, way they used her as a character in the first in the first series. Uh, now granted by and also the other thing is that by the end of the second series, she turns into a murder machine. The same way as Alucard is. And she kind of replaces Alucard almost, if I remember correctly. But it, not actually, she doesn't replace Alucard. She just turns into like a female version of Alucard, and I'm not. 
I'm not super interested in seeing that out of that character. I'm more interested in seeing, and I think people would be more interested in seeing a less cold, calculated, evil mistress of the night character and more like, yeah, I'm a vampire, so what? Like, I've accepted it, I have these cool powers, but I'm just the lady, it's fine. And that that's really... That's one of the things I think that lots of fantasy stuff doesn't do well. It doesn't do well when it wants when it's asked to just show a fantasy character day to day in a very mundane kind of pointless way. Um, a sh two shows that actually did that are both Monster Girl shows and one. Gave way, to, gave way to the other, and that is Monster Musume does a great job of that. Um, so does also Daily Lives of Monster Girls. That's, f in my opinion, that's like a fabulous slice of life show for, with the angle of also being a Monster Girl show because it's about, and I'll probably talk about it on the podcast, but it's about teenage monster girls and actually teenage to all the way up to and a, like an early, a like mid thirties succubus who like has to live in the world as a succubus and goes everywhere in a sweatsuit because if she ever takes the sweatsuit off, her pheromones will just fucking annihilate any like man's willpower within like five feet of her, and they they play that from laughs and like a weird they they. It's just a good show. I don't want to get into it. I actually do want to talk about that separately now that I think about it. But this show isn't interested in, like, does Alucard listen to smooth jazz? It is interested in, like, showing his wine glass because he drinks blood out of a wine glass for whatever dumbass reason. Um, <laughs> but that's only for effect. Like, oh. All of the character building that they show you with Alucard is to let you know, a, like, a second, third, fourth, fifteenth time that this guy is rough and edgy and he's a badass. None of it is, none of it with the exception of one thing in the, in the show that I remember, because I make it all the way through the thing, shows you that he's anything but... A total shitbag, evil asshole who is basically soulbound to this woman to do her bidding, and that's the only reason why he's not like tracing around in the night murdering people. And that that scene, I said that one thing that shows him as like a legitimate, cool, awesome, like someone with an inner life. Is one of the better scenes in the show, actually. It's this... Actually, the two scenes, really. Um, there's a scene when they find out that... Spoiler alert! The Nazis are the bad guys. And... He... He turns to Walter and he's like, I thought we dealt... And he's basically like, I thought we fucking dealt with this shit like 50 years ago. What the fuck? 
And it's this great scene of like, just like, you realize you're like, oh shit, wait, what? He knew Walter back then? And they were fucking Nazi hunters? They were like buddy cop Nazi hunters? Yes. Um, and then the other scene is, they have a brief moment where they kind of and kind of not show Queen Victoria. Um, and he knows Queen Victoria, and he's known her since she was like 21, and they've known each other since she was 21, and she's just like, you have an aid today, even though it's been like fucking a million years. And he's, and he's like, has this genuine moment of her where he like respects her as another breathing entity on the earth, and he, which is super rare, which she is the only character he does this of, maybe with the exception of Ceres by the end. And he's like, you're a, you're exactly as I remember you. If anything else, time has made you more beautiful. And it's this moment where you see into the past of Alucard's life in a real way, not in like a flashback sequence or any of that bullshit that's made to build up his like badass persona because you're a 14 year old in hell thing. It's, it's a really kind of great couple second scene. And then she's just like, okay, fuck those Nazis up. And they're all like, right? Tally good fun. Fucking go out to murder some Nazis. And from there, it's like a gore fest. It's like a total gore fest. You have this like cackling fucking. So, this is. This is one of my favorite things to think about in anime. Honestly. Honestly. I think about it more than I should. They have cackling Nazi evil, evil Philip Seymour Hoffman as like, a, as like an anime. <laughs> and it feels like, wait, what do you mean? Go look up Philip Seymour Hoffman and then go look up the bad guy, the villain from Helsing Ultimate. And you're like, holy shit, that is evil anime Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, you can also go look up the um, agent from um, Jormungand and go look up Dilbert. And that is evil anime Dilbert. In, um, I, I think about a lot of like real world people in anime. I'm sure lots of people do, but I give it probably more thought than I should. Considering how long I've been watching anime. <laughs> Um, but, like, so, like, the villains are straight up, like, superpower Nazis. And it's like, of course I'm not going to root for the fucking Nazis, because they're Nazis. And, and, and like, the, the hilarious thing about this is, is they also heavily feature the Catholic Church and this, like, secret organization of Catholic Church murderers called the Iscariot Organization. And those guys are, like, they introduced this character um, named, this priest who's been, like, experimented on to make him immortal, named Alexander Anderson. And he's, like, he's the church's version of Helsing. Like, he will never die. And you can shoot him in the face and he's fine. <laughs> and he uses these, like, giant knives where, um, out, where Alucard 
uses these, which by the way, Dracula spelled backwards. Um, uses these giant handguns with like silver tipped bullets and bullshit to kill vampires. And like th- th- the show also makes freaking the Catholic Church into these fucking assholes. Which is like okay? Fuck why? I don't care, but why? Like I, I the the only like kind hearted person in this show is freaking Saris Victoria because um she just and that's only and the reason and they say they have her that way because she's naive and they say and as soon as she's like not a naive character as soon as she like becomes a full vampire she becomes an evil asshole just like everybody else in the show and it's just like so when I talked about Demon Slayer I talked about how refreshing it was to see a character who was a main shonen protagonist whose default mode was kindness and not the kind of like bravado kindness that you see in like Naruto or One Piece or that kind of stuff. Like true innocent kindness where like he shows true, he'll, he kills an enemy in um, the first season of that show. It will almost it, getting a movie and a third season and a second season, so of course it's going to continue. But he takes this, like, path of kindness always throughout that show, and as far as I can see, all the way throughout the property, that is kind of unique for a shonen action protagonist. Now, Helsing is very much trying to be a horror action show, so as far as Alucard or any character is the protagonist, it's trying to make the, it's trying to make its characters just like a font of evil, uh, like a font of evil, which when pressurized and pointed in the right direction becomes a fire hose, a fire extinguisher of evil pointed at the worst evil constantly to snuff it out and like yeah like I said I'm not going to root for the Nazis but I like I like the good guy call me old fashioned but last time I like the good guys at least not to be fucking stab you in the back nightmare evil and that's really what Alucard is and what Sarah becomes and what Walter is, and even even on some level, what um, Integra is, and it's not the way they save it. Is they say like they're like doing the honorable thing, and they like use the best way to kill monsters with a monster. Except that's not true because Walter can murder fucking vampires day and night. Um, and it's just. Like I said at the beginning of this, it loses the swagger that the like jazz music and the and the like catchy pop song at the end of each episode, along with the limitations of being 
on TV and not just only in a, in a Blu-ray release brought to it. And that swagger means that it kind of... It has the... It has the, like, imitation of swagger. The imitation of all that shit. But it's not really there. And it just strikes me as kind of... It strikes me as boring, ultimately. Because, I mean... I fell asleep in the middle of an action scene because they because the thing about the thing about action is that and the thing that make so the thing that makes John Wick so good because John Wick is also very much it wants to be the ultimate action movie is it invents these totally possible and totally doable because they do do them ways for John Wick to murder people. And it uses the plot to service that instead of ignoring the plot in the in, instead of the plot being the murder, if that makes any sense. The plot of John Wick is not him murdering people. That is just the way that his character moves through the plot. The plot of Helsing is not Alucard murdering people. But he stops and he does it along the way and ignores the greater the greater ramifications of everything going along. He's like, oh, I'm allowed to kill these people because they're Nazis. Cool. And it's like... I... I don't get me wrong, I love action shows. I'm not so big on the horror shows, mostly because I either get I get scared very easily, or like I can't sleep scared very easily, or I find them boring and like plotting and annoying. Um, see Boogie Pop Phantom, the original one, not um, Boogie Pop and Other, which has an amazing opening and is a mumblecore show with horror scenes. <laughs> um, but. I, I love things like Black Lagoon. I think I've talked about that on this podcast. I've talked about plenty of action anime on this podcast. But the way they balance their actions with their characters and the way they make their, like, anti-hero characters and the way they make their, like, bad people made to do bad things in the name of good characters, especially in a show like... um like um, Black Lagoon, or even more so, like a, sh- a show like Jormungand, which is, which could very easily suffer from this like edge fest issue, except they make those characters, they give those characters more life than just being an edgy mur- than just being an edgy murder goblin, <laughs> and it it just those shows end up sitting better with you because you feel like you're seeing character. And not like you're seeing caricatures of something that you feel like is definitely there. Because they put that scene in with the queen. With the queen knows him and the queen recognizes him. And they respect each other. And they're like, they're old friends. But they don't... They, they never quite give that a chance to expand. 
You know, the, the most you get is fucking Alucard whack thing poetic about how people are assholes and the Nazis need to die kind of shit. And that just doesn't, it doesn't feel as good, if that makes any sense. So in, in closing, I guess, what I would say is, if you want to watch Helsing, I would start with the older show, with the um, original TV series, before I went to the new TV series. Or if you want to get real hardcore, you can read the manga, where you'll get all of it. Um, because I think... I think the... While the newer TV... While the newer OVA series from, two, from 20, 2006 to 2012 has more... It has just... Per volume, more healthing in it and tells the full story, so to speak. Or way more of the, seri- the story, so to speak. The original series feels less like it's trying to convince you of, like, the Catholic Church. Everybody's assholes, so all you should do is pick a side and hang out with them. And that's not really... That doesn't do a whole lot of good. I'm sorry I'm so down on something that looks so good and is so well animated and is fairly creative and, like, but it's, it just didn't... It struck me as a thing that was made for four, that made for fourteen year old me before I knew any better, and I had the bright idea of watching it <laughs> because all I thought because all I did at a point was sing shine shine down on me. And if you don't know that song, you're about to hear it in a couple seconds. So on that note. My name has been my name is Alec. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. And this is me signing off from the perch. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you can like and subscribe um, on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. I would ask if you want to review me to review me on iTunes. It helps the show. Um, five star reviews would be great. I think I've done a worthwhile job on this. Um, but until. Next time, I'll talk to you later.